You're listening to the Online Empire Academy Podcast, where you'll discover some of the best and most creative ways to provide for your family and get started on your journey to entrepreneurship. No crazy get-rich-quick schemes. No living in a van down by the river with your family while you build your business. If you want real, actionable, and proven entrepreneur ideas that you can use right now, join us for free at theonlineempireacademy.com. Now, get ready for the Online Empire Academy Podcast. What's up, Online Empire Academy? I am Joshua Woodward, your podcast host. For those of you guys watching on Facebook, this is the first time we're trying this, so we're really excited. Uh, For those of you on YouTube, hello, iTunes, what's up, guys? Um, For those of you who are listening, maybe on a podcast platform, uh, we wanted to let you guys know that there are videos, so you guys can go check that out either on Facebook or on uh, the Online Empire Academy on YouTube. So uh, I'm really excited. As, As most of you guys know, um, there's been a lot of suspensions lately. There's been some some crazy stuff happening with Amazon and uh, specifically around the region of, of UPC codes and so much changing with that. And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to have somebody on who's a professional in this field. So today we have on Cynthia Stein and she is a reinstatement expert. Everybody has referred her to me for the specific topic. So I am so excited to have her on. How are you doing, Cynthia? Great. I'm looking forward to talking to your audience. Yeah, I'm I'm, exor- I'm I'm excited to talk about this. This is it's so timely right now and something that's been super irritating for me, um especially loving you guys, loving this community and wanting to make sure everybody's doing everything they can to build as much income as they can. When I find out that somebody's account's been shut down, that's like such a heartbreaking moment. Like it's mm-hmm. it's I I don't ever want that. So um, Cynthia, what is your story? How did you even get started in this? Well, um, I was a business consultant for many years and, uh, over 25, I, a long time. And, uh, I actually started selling on Amazon in 2010 because I needed extra income, which is why a lot of people do it. And I had 10 hours a week to do it. I mean, I had no time. Right. And this turned out to be the perfect business for somebody who had no time. <laughs> and I, I only needed about 1500 a month. So it wasn't like, you know, I was going to build an empire at the time. I just needed a little extra money. And that's how I got started in 2010. And, um, I had so many people say, well, how's that Amazon thing doing? Um, and uh, also wanted me to talk about it, that I wrote a book about it, um, in 2011, uh, came out early 2012. And that was my make thousands on Amazon in 10 hours a week. And because of that book, see, it all led one thing to another. Um, I did a little consulting. So people would hire me and they'd say, Hey, you know, tell me why I'm not making money here or why isn't this product selling or, you know, stuff like that. And in 20, 14, <laughs> what happened was I started to get people who were suspended saying, can you get me reinstated? Huh. And I thought, well, I definitely will try. You know, I, <laughs> I had not done it before, um, but I just dived into it as a business consultant. I do understand um, a lot of, well, I can read a contract, for example, um, but I understand a lot of these things. I know how businesses get in trouble and I know how they get out. Um, I used to do turnaround work. Um, and I've got a, a crisis communications. And so I applied those skills from my past life to this business. And, um, and we learned a lot about Amazon in this process. 
And then in 2015, the, the spring is when Amazon had a huge, huge change in their algorithm. And it caught so many sellers by surprise. Um, and my business just exploded. So something that I thought I might do maybe once a month, twice a month, you know, I didn't really think this was going to be a big deal doing reinstatements um, has uh, far exceeded any expectations I ever had for making money on Amazon. And it's been huge. So while I'm still a seller on Amazon, uh, it's pretty small right now because all of my focus is on helping sellers get back to, back to work, basically. Um, and I wrote my book, Suspension Prevention, and I hired people. And the story is today I have um, eight people in the U.S., 16 in the Philippines, and um, we're still growing. Uh, in fact, we brought on three new people this week. So, I mean, it's just insane. And um, uh, I expect it to continue. Uh, Amazon has not done anything to stem the tide of suspensions. And if anything else, there's just new issues that keep coming up and coming up. So um, my job is I see myself as a seller advocate because I'm a seller too. And so my job is to try to educate sellers um, so that they can avoid getting suspended and stay ahead of it as much as possible. And, and from, from, you know, just kind of researching and following what you've been doing it, it for the listeners, it's not just a reinstatement service. She is passionate about helping people stay away from those pitfalls. I mean, you just talked right. about that. Like so many people are out there going, uh, you know, or, or making dumb decisions, honestly, like it, it, it comes down to how, how does Amazon want you to play on their platform? And just do that, you know, and, and, and I think that you have uh, broken it down in, in such an easy way for people to understand. And so uh, we'll post links to her book. But one of the things I want to talk about is what kinds of suspensions are you seeing? Well, it varies. What happens is like it seems like every few weeks, Amazon will tweak the algorithm or they'll go after something new. And so we'll get a wave of suspensions in all for the same reason. So uh, like right now for all of my supplement guys, most of them who are private label, they're getting uh, their listings shut down for foreskin, which I hope I said that right. Um, you know, all of a sudden, like 10 of them. Right. And uh, or I, I've had uh, several sellers who are getting shut down because they're buying from uh, liquidators, the huh. same liquidator, um, actually. And we're having issues with uh, product review programs. So there's still um, a lot, you know, Amazon is very serious about people who abuse the product review system that they have. And, you know, in the past, they've, they've had three rounds where they've suspended, where they've sued companies that provide these services. And then just a couple of weeks ago, they sued sellers, right? So this is the first time they've actually gone after sellers for abusing their platform. So they're not just kicking them off, you know, they're suing them. Now, these guys, I looked at the case, these were really egregious um there's no doubt that they a knew what they were doing mm. and that b it was way against terms of service so okay. you know um it's not a shades of gray thing whatsoever this is very black and white but still to me what that indicates is they're serious and they're going to continue doing this and and i'm always surprised at how many sellers we get in the door every month for abusing the reviews program and I have yet to find one who is innocent. So oh. they're all guilty. Okay. Um, I get them back on, but you know, they're not innocent. So um, that just tells me that 
there's still a lot more education that needs to go on um, because really, you know, it's an awful reason to be suspended and you have to turn over all of your reviews to Amazon who will then take them down. So you could go from hundreds of reviews to zero, you know, practically overnight. I mean, hopefully you got some organic reviews, but they're going to take all the ones that were part of giveaways or campaigns or, um, and I just, I don't really understand why sellers want to game the system so bad. Um, you know, but anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> and then, like you said, the UPC codes, um, that's new too. So that's yeah. like what the last, well, the issue sort of started coming to the surface about three weeks ago, I want to say. Yeah. And we started seeing it in our suspensions a week later. So the way it's showing up in suspensions is our clients will get suspended for an inauthentic claims, usually several. Huh. And when you look into why they have these inauthentic claims, it will get down to because the, the barcode doesn't match the GS1. Huh. So they're like, well, then this is not an authentic product. W will you explain GS1? If, if yes. you know how, I, I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically what this is, GS1 is a couple of things. It's a, it's a registration database and um, it's a, a place that uh, you would get extensions. So like if you're a big company and you have lots of products, you might buy an extension on GS1 and maybe your extension is one, two, three, four, five, right? Okay. So every barcode out there that begins with one, two, three, four, five is you. Huh. So, and you may have hundreds of thousands of them, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, but it's the extensions that are filed in this database, right? And that are assigned to an owner. And, um, and so Amazon has recently, this is why it started happening. They've recently found a way to automatically search the database and compare it to their catalog. Oh my gosh. So and up until now, they were never really looking or trying to enforce, you know, the misuse of barcodes, I guess, or UPC codes. And so here's the problem though. The GS1 is not necessarily kept up to date any more than any other database, right? All databases have old data. And so people who buy from like Speedy Barcode or the dealer on eBay, um, you know, they're usually not buying unique barcodes. They're yeah. buying, uh, what's the word, um, retired barcodes. So somebody may have owned them before, but now they're not using them anymore. Maybe the company's out of business, huh. whatever. So it went back into the available barcode, you know, pool, if you like. And, and then Speedy Barcode sold it to you and you made a bundle with it or, or multi-pack or whatever you did with it, right? And the thing is, so Amazon's checking the GS1. It still shows that it's owned by the previous company because huh. they have old data in there. And so they say, oh, no, you know, this company owns that barcode, not you. Huh. And it's like, I own it. So what I tell my clients is if you have a private label product, yeah. And you have already used a bunch of speedy barcodes and you've registered your brand. You've registered your listings. You've done all of that with Amazon. You should be fine because Amazon doesn't care about your listings. They are, you know, they know you created them. They know they're yours and your brand. And because you went through that whole brand registry process, 
that's not a problem. The problem is when, um, like I said, maybe you created a bundle and put it up there and it wasn't your product. You know, it was just something maybe like I saw some, there's a company that does this. I see them all the time. They'll, they buy a lot of stuff from the world market. Okay. And so they'll put one product with another product. Yeah. They buy these things, retail ARB, and they put them up there. They, they brand it as their brand and they use their own unique UPC code. Huh. Well, that company is about to run into problems. Okay. Um, because again, the products that they're selling in the bundle, they don't own those brands. Mm. And, um, you know, they've branded it as their own brand, but, if it's not on the GS1, which I'm almost certain it isn't, because nobody buys from the GS1 unless they're big. Like if you're buying a hundred thousand bar, okay, you're, if you're buying one barcode from GS1, it's sixty-five dollars. Oh my gosh! So for the smaller seller, you know, there, there's some middle. There's like a, you can buy a hundred for a certain rate and whatever, but it it's not cheap. And so really, only a serious seller would be buying from the GS1. So I know that the database is riddled with speedy barcodes and we're going to be seeing issues about this for some time to come. And, uh, and that's why the community is, is perturbed and upset. Yeah. And, and for every seller that they get off the platform who was doing it improperly, um, they're going to catch some innocent fish in the net too. And that's, that's what's so unfortunate about, the algorithm, right? It's very impersonal and there's no nuance. Yeah. So it's a big net. <laughs> what about the people who are maybe selling used or refurbished things on Amazon? What, what about them? Well, okay. So there's been a couple of things going on with that lately. Um, with refurb, it's um, actually shouldn't be a problem because a refurb, if you're using it the term correctly, basically according to Amazon, a refurb is something that has been refurbished by the manufacturer and has a warranty. And in that case, there should be a unique listing for the refurb on the Amazon database, and you should have no problem selling that product, okay? So if you're buying refurbed KitchenAid and selling it under the refurb listing, you're, I mean, assuming you bought it from a legitimate source, you should be fine. Okay. Um, the problem that is coming up with used uh, media is particularly this is what broke my heart because I I started off selling books and media and I still yeah. have you know a lot of long tail stuff up there right and um, what Amazon has started doing is they've been filing inauthentic claims and counterfeit against sellers who sell used media now I get it I know why they're doing this because basically the the criminals the people who are selling uh, counterfeit um, media or whatever, they realized that Amazon was only checking new, right? Uh, so to be clever about it, they would list all of their product as used, yeah. used like new, used very good, and they would put it up there and sell it. So Amazon's trying to crack down on the criminals, right? But here's the problem. Most of us buy our used media at estate sales, yeah. book sales, garage sales. It comes out of our own library and we sure as heck don't have receipts from five years ago when we bought it. Right. Yeah. And so when Amazon says, okay, you know, I need you to provide an invoice, you know, I got caught for a Carl Sagan book, the cosmos, which I can guarantee you was not counterfeit. 
And um, I've sold lots of the money on Amazon. It's an old book. That's why it still sells so well, because I'm selling the original 1970s, huh. you know, version. And um, so I had to shut down that listing. I can't sell any more Cosmos. But I also had to really think about it because you can't have too many inauthentics on your account yeah. or you get shut down. Yeah. And so I'm trying to decide, I'm struggling with, do I get rid of my used media? And I've had clients who could not decide. I mean, like they didn't have a choice. They have to get rid of it because yeah. they were suspended for it. And so you just can't afford another inauthentic after that. And so, you know, um, here they have this huge database of books and CDs and games and things, and they can't, they had to remove all of them oh there. I think they're selling them on eBay, but okay. it's just, it's a, it's a real shock. And I, I went back and forth with Amazon. We escalated this up the chain. Um, you know, I have colleagues who were able to reach out to actual humans at Amazon about this issue. I wrote a letter to Jeff Bezos and the answer came down to this counterfeit is counterfeit. So if they want you to provide a receipt or an invoice and you can't, then, you know, tough. So that is the, that's chilling. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I kind of tell my, it, I tell my people, you know, um, you might just try to sell what you have out. Um, and if you get one claim, then clear, just eBay the whole thing. Right. But you may be able to sell out what you have because they're not quite going after used inauthentic as vigorously as they are going after new. So I don't know if that's good news or not, but, yeah. but yeah, that's huge. Right. And that, yeah. again, that was a change that they brought to the community without telling us. And, uh, but they've obviously tweaked the algorithm for it. So if I could have one wish, if, you know, the Amazon fairy godmother would give me my wish, <laughs> it would be that Amazon would give us warning whenever they tweaked the algorithm. Yeah. If they would just give sellers a week or two, you know, to clear out and to say, oh no, you know, now we have to worry about this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me, I think it would just, it would make my sellers' lives better, but also um, it would probably make Amazon's life better because they wouldn't have to suspend and deal with all these issues. They could just give people enough time to clean up beforehand. Most of my clients would; they're good sellers. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I to that, I, I don't even know how. You know, if Amazon told us every time something changed, it would get so difficult. But I'm there with you. I'm like, you know, at least give us something. At least give us some sort of notice. Um, this this past week, I got an email from uh, from one of our, our viewers, and, and she was asking about, um, you know, she got this email from from a, another company, and they were saying, "Hey, you don't have the rights to sell on our listing. Please, you know, please get off. Like, if not, we're going to contact Amazon." And I got really mad because I'm like, I I'm sure that she bought it from a wholesaler or something like that, and so I'm asking her these questions and all that. But I realized in that moment I don't have all the information I need, and this is one of the things I wanted to ask you about because I'm seeing this frequently that somebody's coming on and saying you can't be on our listing and being like, frankly, a bully. And so uh, she ended up contacting Amazon. Amazon said you're fine. But what would you say to the viewers who are in the same situation? Well, I would say, first of all, it depends where the notice comes from. So if the notice is coming through the buyer-seller messages and it's coming directly from the complainer, right, the bully, um, 
and they're sending you a hostile, bristly message. Um, they're they're powerless. Okay, they huh. they don't have any power over this. Um, only Amazon has power over this. Now, you might wonder: Are these people vindictive and petty enough to try and make trouble for me? And possibly they are. Um, and that's the hard part because you don't know. But that's usually a, an opening gambit that somebody will make because they know that one angry, bristly letter may be enough to get some of their competition off the listing yeah. um, kind of thing. But if they're serious and they have rights to protect, like they're thinking, you know, if they think that you really have violated, then they'll file it with Amazon. And Amazon will then send you, they'll suspend the listing and they'll send you an email it says you need to contact the rights holder. And um, at that point you do, um, if you want to, even if you don't care about the listing, you know, I've had clients who are like, uh, you know, I had two units left. I don't care. I'm just going to close the listing. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I'm like, great. I get it. That's okay. Um, but you still have to at least go through the motions of trying to resolve it with the rights holder. And, you know, in Amazon, we'll give you an email and usually, you know, um, you can just say, hey, I, I've closed my listing. I'm not going to sell on it. Uh, please let Amazon know. And that will resolve 90% of the cases. Okay. Now, there are other cases where you think, and this I see a lot too, where you're like, that guy is full of it. Yeah. Right? He is a bully and he's wrong. I have the right to sell this product. You know, I bought it at whatever, or, you know, I'm not violating his rights. So, at that point, um, usually we have our clients just ask the rights holder, can you please explain how you think that we violated your rights? Huh. You know, just a nice open-ended question. And again, if the company is legit, if they are in fact pursuing a claim that they believe to be true, they will work with you. Huh. You may get a letter from their attorney that, you know, a cease and desist and it's all ugly. But, you know, the fact is legitimately you'll get a letter from an attorney. And they'll say, blah, blah, blah. And then you can decide what you want to do. And they'll provide the proof. Huh. You know, they'll say, hey, we filed this patent, this trademark, this, you know, and wherever you're like, Ooh, okay. Or if they can't provide the proof or they don't, and this is where the bully comes back. Um, there's a lot of sellers, unfortunately, who have been using this as a tactic. Hmm. And so they file the claim with through Amazon. Um, and then they never respond to the seller ever. So the seller might call them, email them, and they'll never respond because they know that as long as they don't send that email to Amazon saying that the issue is resolved, the seller is screwed. They can't oh sell gosh. on that listing. Now, which I find reprehensible on a number of levels, especially if that client actually happens to be suspended. And this is one of the issues they need to resolve to be able to sell on the platform. Yeah. I think that's wrong. And that a seller should not be able to do that to another seller. Come on. I really do. Um, and so, you know, I just want people to know who are playing games, which I'm sure is nobody in this audience. Um, but still, uh, Amazon does have a backup for that. And so people who do this as a tactic, um, if you're up against one of my clients, you're in trouble because I know how to get you kicked off and um, I will do it. So I just want to say that I've done that for my clients. I've helped them uh, in the case where the rights holder would not work with them. Um, and so, you know, Amazon expects you, if you file the complaint that you're going to work with the other sellers, not, not to give up your rights, but to speak to them about your complaint. And if you don't do that, then you're obviously just gaming the system. Yeah. 
Now, now let's let's flip the coin. You've created your own uh, private label product. What about you know you you may be fearing that your competition is trying to bring you down. What are some some ways that that you can combat that with Amazon? Mm-hmm. Well, you know sometimes it's really hard to tell. Like you start to get some complaints, or you get you know somebody who's who's uh, you know saying stuff about your product, or you're getting um, you know a bunch of you know, inauthentic complaints or, you know, you start to see something, you think, you know, this doesn't seem normal. Like I was doing great. And then suddenly my product sucks. I don't think so. Um, and so if you suspect a seller tactic, um, and, and obviously, you know, it's sometimes it's so obvious. It's unbelievable. I've seen conspiracies coordinated attacks by competitors Seriously. against my clients where they all actually said the same thing in their negative feedback. Like it was a cut and paste. It wasn't even like they didn't even freestyle it or they'll provide a picture of the product. And it's not only the wrong product, but it's the same one. So if you get like five reviews on your account and they each have the same picture and the same text. And I thought this has got to be the most stupidest competitor (laughs) I've ever seen. So we got that one dismissed pretty easily. But sometimes it's really subtle and you don't know. And so if you suspect it, what I suggest is you file a policy violation with Amazon. Uh, which you can do through Seller Central, and um, and that you just very politely ask Amazon for their help. Huh. And you say, you know, based on this and this and this, I suspect that, you know, it's possible that a competitor may be um, doing this on purpose. I can't tell, but maybe you can. Could you please look into it for me? Mm. And you will never hear back from Amazon. That's not their policy for policy violations. But I promise you, those people act. And, um, and unlike other parts of Amazon, <laughs> they'll act. <laughs> and so if they, if they think that there's some merit to what you're saying, if they can find patterns of behavior that maybe you can't see. And I, I mean, they can see things like the IP addresses where the orders came from. Wow. They can tell if the woman who bought your product is related to a competitor. They can do all that stuff that you can't, right? The stuff that they know about their database is scary. Seriously. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's really scary. So the thing is, though, they can do the research. And um, like I said, I I wouldn't get angry about it. I would just be polite, ask for help and tell them why you think there might be something going on. um, And and then let them act. And if there is something and they can detect it, they'll act. And um, all of a sudden, you know, and I I had this happen to me. I was attacked um, by a group of people and it was in October a couple years ago, I guess. And I knew immediately something was going on and their trick they were playing on me was changing the ASIN so that my product no longer matched the listing, right? They would go in and they would change the picture from a a black hippo. It was a stuffed animal, black hippo to a white dog, right? I mean, big changes they were making on the platform. And so of course then people would buy my product that didn't match the picture. And I was getting all these complaints. It was a really crappy trick. And so I pulled together my proof. I went and looked at, you know, all the ASIN changes I'd had for a year yeah. and what percentage I would get normally, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I could show that in October, it went like this. It was like a hockey puck straight up. And so the change in my normal metrics, um, I said, somebody's messing with me. I don't know who it is. I hope that you do. You know, I showed them my proof and, you know, 
the problem ended the next day. Oh I have gosh. not had a problem since. <laughs> and it went whoop, right back down to normal. So I, uh, anyway, so uh, that I do recommend that. I mean, don't go crazy misusing policy violation either because they're, they frown on that. But if you feel you have a case, um, build it as, as best you can and then just simply ask for help. They usually will. Well, I have one last question, and, and, and that is, what are ways that us as sellers can start protecting ourselves now? Well, obviously, the best way to protect yourself is to have an account that's as clean as possible. Um, you know, the fewer problems you have to begin with, the more lenient and the more leeway they give you if something new comes up. So um, if they tweak the algorithm or change things, like I'll just give you an example. I'll have clients that are that will have a listing suspended and then I'll have other clients that will have their account suspended hmm. for the same thing. And the difference is the ones with the, uh, the ones who had their account suspended, they had already had some other issues going on with their account. Maybe previously um, there, you know, maybe several things going on at the same time. And so Amazon, whatever their magic trigger point is, my client hit it. And so they shut their whole account down. Huh. Whereas this other client, maybe it's just an ASIN. And they just shut down the listing. Um, same issue, you know. And so that usually is a function of how clean your account is to begin with. And so I tell my clients and anybody else, um, you know, go and look at your reports every week and look for potential problems that you can't see in your account that's not on the dashboard. I mean, you should always look at the dashboard. And most of my clients are religious about that. They'll check it like every day. So that I don't have to tell people, go look at your dashboard. But you do need to look at your um, imperfect orders, your negative feedback, of course. Look at your buyer-seller messages for trigger words. So it's not just dealing with whatever problem they've come to you with. But if you see keywords like fake, counterfeit, hmm. um, you know, uh, physical sickness, like somebody says, oh, it gave me a headache, it made me ill. Um, all of these are like triggers, right? So things like that, that might be a trigger. Uh, they say, oh, the product, you know, I know the product was new, but it looked used. Um, huh. Or it's not as described. I thought it was going to be this and it was that. Or I got the wrong parts, whatever. Those are all triggers. So you want to look for that. Um, every week, have a look. And then also um, all of your returns. So if you're doing both merchant fulfilled and FBA, um, you have to look at two different reports. And you want to look at the ones that returned your product for um, what I call a negative return, which is a return that was for a non-normal reason. So maybe it's inauthentic, not as described, you sold as new. Like a normal return is it didn't fit. I didn't like the color. I changed my mind. It was a gift. They didn't want it. I mean, those are what we call normal retail returns. But if they're saying that there's a problem with the product or defective, damaged, all of that, then that's what I call a negative return. And those are the ones you need to watch. Huh. And if they're starting to build up on a particular listing, like you have maybe one listing that's getting a lot of problems, you should shut that listing down and find out why and fix it before you turn the listing back on. You know, you're getting a lot of damaged. Uh, maybe it's not being packaged well enough. If you're getting a lot of not as described, maybe there's something wrong with the listing. You know, maybe the listing doesn't match your product. Huh. 
<laughs> you could have the problem that I did where somebody messed with it. And now the picture or the description has changed since you listed your product. Um, things like that. So that's what I tell people. If you're actually just looking every week at those problems and dealing with them as they come up, it's like housekeeping. You know, you'll you'll stay on top of it rather than have a big mess to clean up later. Totally. Wow. I I I know I, I know I said this a lot, but I'm gonna need to go back and listen to this because there's so much good knowledge within this and and community. I hope you feel that. If you guys have questions for Cynthia, please comment below. I'll make sure that she sees these. Um, and if you guys want to go check out her services, especially for those of you who are listening to this and may need to get reinstated, go to the onlineempireacademy.com forward slash Cynthia. And again, the onlineempireacademy.com forward slash Cynthia. All the links will be below. Um, also, we'll, we'll post links to her book. I mean, you guys, if you want to stay out of this rat race I mean just it's so crazy so if you want to stay out of that I would highly recommend her book um, and and seriously th- Cynthia thank you so much for coming on and all the knowledge you give us oh, you're welcome it's been great I look forward to taking questions from your audience absolutely so uh, again guys the online empire academy forward slash Cynthia thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys soon Thank you for listening to the Online Empire Academy podcast. If you want real, actionable, and proven entrepreneur ideas that you can use right now, join us for free at theonlineempireacademy.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, help us make more by rating us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. We'll see you next time.